Learn Videography just got started on TikTok. Brand new to the game over there. I think we got five followers, right? But hey, I'll go follow you guys after this episode. There you go. I'll give you number get six. Get at us, here. y'all. There Help us go. out. Come on. <laughs> but hey, plug it in the in the show notes. Put it in the show notes. At Learn Videography TikTok. Let's go. Three, two, one. Welcome to Learn Videography, a podcast dedicated to mastering the art and business of becoming a full-time videographer. Presented by Industry Jump. Hosted by director Kyle Loftus and producer JJ England. Let's go. Welcome back to Learn Videography, your podcast to learn everything you need to know about becoming a full-time videographer. As always, I'm Yo. your host, JJ, with my co-host, Kyle Loftus, and today we What's have a good? special guest on the podcast, Ryan Snod. Ryan is an Iowa-based professional marketer, entrepreneur, and videographer that helps brands and creatives grow using video marketing. Ryan's company strive to simplify video for brands and empower them to connect with their ideal customers. In addition to creating video businesses, he also teaches other videographers how to create sustainable income by doing the same with his courses, his YouTube channel, his webinar, and his Facebook group. Whether you own your own business, want to create for a living, or would like to travel up or, or would like to level up your online presence, Ryan can help. So throughout this episode, we'll talk to Ryan, Kyle, myself. We'll all go through our sales processes, finding leads, booking clients, negotiating retainers, and all things sales and money to level up that company, make more money, and turn big time. How's that sound, gentlemen? Super Ching. pumped. Let's get this bread. Awesome. Awesome. Let's get it. Hey, but before we get into it, we got some sad news. Um, the time has come to officially shut down Industry Jump. It's been a baby for me for the last four years. I originally started it as an indie producer, just looking to hire crew, looking for a safe way to do that. And we've had so many people throughout the years that we've connected the jobs we've connected with. Um, you know, we have over 5,000 uh, members in the community. Um, it's super sad. And, you know, I think it's a good learning lesson for me in starting my first business in the sense that um, it's hard. It takes a lot of time, you know, and, and um, building tech is hard too. raising money, it works with investors, building teams, building advanced technology. Um, you know, it was a lot for me. Um, to do. And I think ultimately it just didn't work because we couldn't, you know, drive enough jobs on the job side to make all of our videographers and our, our filmmakers happy. Uh, and because of that, we couldn't actually charge anybody. So we never made any revenue. So eventually it just led us to this place where unfortunately we have to shut it down. Um, Kyle, Ryan, both of you have been members for a, a long time. Appreciate your support. Um, Kyle, that's how we even met through Industry Jump. Yeah, yeah. It was originally uh, yeah. us getting kind of started as a as a partnership, kind of working to to build that up, and it's it's blossomed from there to the podcast and more. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's definitely one of those things like people like you guys got to keep pushing the the envelope, whether it's you know the podcast or new services or apps or whatever. I think just bringing people together is a big thing, and uh, finding jobs will always be a challenge for people, especially if they're not business savvy folks, they're just wanting to shoot and edit or color or whatever they do. So yeah, uh, definitely a great idea. And I think, you know, who knows, maybe the, maybe something like that could come up in the future, a solution for that in some way. Yeah. It's it's a hard industry, you know, like in the sense that like it takes us so long to chase down a lead, just like we're going to be talking about today. Um, But that lead wouldn't ask for another video the next week, right? They might need another video in like six months or 12 months. And so it's, we spent two weeks or X amount of money to find a person. And then they only brought in a little bit of money for a little bit of value to the community. 
and it wasn't like they needed to hire them every single day, you know? And I think that's yeah. where a lot of other job platforms fell too is one, it's a lot of spammy stuff, but then there's no like reoccurring good stuff that you can just latch on to. Yeah. I think we've talked about it a little bit too, JJ, is especially like in this industry, you know, it's it's like once you find those core people that you like working with, whether it's in your yeah. state or when you travel somewhere else, it's like those are your people. Like you're you're yeah. working with them because they're trustworthy, they're reliable, you you know they can get the job done and get the client the right product. And so I think that was kind of a maybe an area we kind of struggled with too, you know, it's just the fact that like once people find their their core unit, they're gonna predominantly stick with them unless they feel they need to move or they're growing outside of that or, you know, have relationship issues. But um not to harp on this too much, but I, I'd love to use this little moment here to talk maybe JJ like what are what do you think are like the three or four biggest things you think you've learned from this experience launching this business and then you know kind of seeing it get to this point like what are your biggest takeaways from that moving forward that maybe our our listeners can kind of take away from yeah you know I, I think this is just general business advice you know um the first thing would be um you know when you're getting it out there to gauge demand before you even start anything you know like getting a landing page up and just start sending people to it and say hey does this idea sound good to you start pr like pre-signing up to a wait list right start gauging demand this way that way also maybe you know um after that start by talking to um your immediate network but also find as many people that you don't know as possible i think one of the things that actually led me astray was in the beginning, I did like 200 surveys and, and I surveyed everyone that I knew. And I was like, if you have a, 10 minutes, please answer these questions. Um, and I got a lot of good info that kind of led me into a certain direction. But also at the same time, I think I was reading those surveys um, from like what I wanted to hear, not as a very objective like mm, situation, like right. not I'd have a neutral party or third party. I was just looking for what I wanted to hear. And also the people were the people that I knew. And I think they might've been telling me what I wanted to hear as well. Right. And so I had all of that validation built up, but it was just internal validation or family and friends validation. It was never like cold, hard public. Would you start using this today? Would you pay for kind of thing? Right. And then I think mm -hmm. the next thing that yeah. I would do is um, I was so caught up in the technology, making the technology work that I wasn't thinking about the business, like the overarching business. And videographers, we find this sell ourselves in this a lot of like just shooting every day, shooting, yep. editing and whatnot. But like, we don't think about the business and like, you know, more sales and marketing and all the things that go into it. And if you're just in that day-to-day -day operating mode of just shooting and editing, then you're kind of, you know, letting the business kind of run its course by itself which could be a good thing, but probably it's not. It's probably a bad thing because you're not setting goals. You're not setting vision. You're not uh, finding new customers. You're not growing it. So I, in, for many, many months or even years, I was just so focused on the day-to-day, -day, making the technology work, talking to um, current you know users to fix their problems, but not thinking big picture, really focusing on the marketing, the sales side, the customer service side, um, interviewing people, right? I could have done a lot better job there, just external validation. Uh, and then the last thing that I'll say is um, I took big risks and spent a lot of money without any money coming in, right? And I didn't have any reason to think that m money would come in at that point, right? And I would caution people to say, it's okay to take big risks. It's okay to make investment, but you need to be seeing money come in. You got to see an opportunity for that revenue to get paid back soon, right? If, if revenue is not even 
on the in the ballpark and you're taking these big risks, then the chances are of like you might you're not going to get that back, right? And so, you know, it's it's give and take. You know, you can invest, but make sure you're getting some back too. And the the amount you're getting back it needs to be worth it for you to invest, right? And I always have that balance. Especially if you're you're taking out a loan or something like that from the bank or yep. you know, yep. investors, anything like that, you definitely want to make sure you're you're kind of staying on top of those things. So yeah, yeah. man, I love that. Appreciate appreciate you kind of knocking all those off. I think it's great. E- yeah, you know, it goes with videographers like buying that ten thousand, twenty thousand dollar camera when they're only doing like five grand a year in bookings, right? Like right. that doesn't make sense. You <laughs> yeah, know, right, like right. that doesn't make sense at all. Like you want to think about if you're gonna spend twenty grand, well, can you pay it off in three to six months? Or do you have um gigs booked for the next year that will eventually pay it off? Or what is your line to pay that off? Is that clear or is it unknown? And that should mm-hmm. influence, you know, how you could do it. Like how do you guys think about buying gear when it comes to that? Like, how, wh- what do you think about with your investment like cycle for your business? Yeah, I, I think about that all the time. I think a, a big thing I've, again, like this is where relationships and network come in hand is like, I'm very lucky at a point now too, where it's like, I almost don't feel a need to to get more gear really at all because I mean, I guess a number of things. I mean, I guess first and foremost, so relationship network wise here, like I now have access to people within my network that have a ton of other gear that I can utilize, whether yeah. that's RE Sky panels or a Snorri cam or, mm-hmm. you know, Alexa mini, anything like that, like I can get access to and use now. Mm-hmm. And predominantly, I don't necessarily have to pay or I might have to give them a little bit of extra money. It just kind of depends on who I'm, I'm kind of working with with that. But mm-hmm. I can get a lot of great gear. Um, and for cheap as well. And then obviously, you know, as we've talked about in the past, JJ, like leveraging partnerships with other brands and businesses, especially in the industry. So getting partnerships with like a lighting company or a lens company that can obviously help you get gear for free or possibly a lot cheaper. Um, so I, I think that's really important to think about. But I think similar to like kind of as you mentioned, JJ, I think my my big thing I'm I'm thinking about when I go through this process is one, what gear is like actually going to move the needle is going to actually really elevate my business. So when I'm really thinking about investing in equipment, um, it's predominantly going to be lighting or lenses, um, then camera. Um, It might kind of jump to camera last for me. Um, Personally, I think lighting lighting is what I've found to make the biggest difference in my work over time. And then glass kind of coming in and coinciding with that. But just as Mm -hmm. you mentioned, you know, I mean, I think it's just gauging you know, how much you're actually bringing in, how many, how many clients are you seeing? For me, I like to look at my QuickBooks and look at what did I do last year? And then, you know, I don't make any big investments till maybe five, at least five months into the, the the following year. Mm -hmm. And I kind of look at my monthly income from there. So, you know, how much am I making? What are my next projections for the next month and the following month? Okay, I'm making, let's say, you know, 15 grand. I'm bringing in 15 grand a month for my business. I'm booked out for the next two months. Like, I would feel very confident, you know, purchasing a $6,000 camera or something like that if right. I needed to. Right. Um, but right. again, as you mentioned, I think it's it's just really paying attention to to what's actually coming in as compared to what, what you're outputting. What's up, guys? Welcome to today's episode. Super stoked to have you. How are you feeling today, JJ? Dude, so excited. Before we get into the episode, guys, just want to remind you to check out our season-long sponsor, Riverside. We are absolutely stoked to have them as a sponsor because we actually use them before they were our sponsor. Um, And the reason we really use them is because, you know, it's a better platform to us than Zoom because it allows us to edit 
inside the platform. We get higher quality video and audio. Um, and, and it's just really, really easy to download our video and audio tracks right after recording. You know, today Riverside is not only used by us, but it's actually used by over 70,000 different people and some of the best creators in the Ooh. business, from Guy Raz all the way to Gary V to Learn Videography, the number one Let's podcast go. about videography. There's a reason why so many creators use Riverside. Check them out. All their features they have at riverside.fm um, and create an account. Get started today. Now let's get into the episode. Yeah, I'm probably the worst person to ask this question because I'm like the anti-gearhead. <laughs> like I, I love I it. I started Hell my yeah. business with a with a $500 camera in college, and I made like 10 grand with it, and that's all I had was just like a Canon T5. That was it, Perfect. and it's like complete shoestring. So I'm like the worst person to ask this question, but the I think it really does come down to like I I, I would say investing in your own in yourself. That would be like the biggest thing, oh, like yeah. skills and knowledge and relationships and stuff like that. Because like um, maybe I didn't buy a, a red dragon, but I also like spent money on like courses and education and masterminds so I can learn how to run client Facebook ad campaigns for them to add to my value stack mm-hmm. or how to manage people. So when I start hiring employees, I know how to do that or whatever. Um, it's kind of funny towards the end of the year, my CPA is the one that's making making the product me to go buy some gear to offset some of my um, profit <laughs> for the year. So it's like, hey, man, you got any camera gear you want to buy for the end of the year? I'm like sure but i don't need any of it and it's yeah. like oh just go spend some money right. if you want to i'm like all right all right so it's kind of a kind of unique <laughs> well, how how it goes there i think uh a point we kind of talked about um you know earlier in the season two jj uh you know I, i'm not sure if you've been listening to all the episodes this season ryan but you know we kind of talked a little bit about too like knowing yourself and where you want to go right so like knowing that i want to be a director and dp those are my main focuses like why would I go out and buy a bunch of grip gear? I don't need a one ton grip truck. I'll, I'll hire, I'll hire a, a grip and gaffer team to kind of handle those things for me. And, and yeah. again, my passion is more so directing. So like, I'm not going to go buying, I'm not going to go buy, you know, four different cameras and make sure I have 10 different lenses, vintage lenses, prime lenses, parafocals. Like I don't need all that extra jazz because that's not really going to help take me in the direction I want to go. It's kind of really pulling me away from where I want to go, or at least it's pulling my assets away, which I could allocate better towards, right? As you mentioned, like a mastermind on directing or, um, you know, big thing I'm trying to do this year is get into acting classes so I can learn how actors think and better communicate with them. So, you know, I'm better to use my thousand dollars there than to buy another lens. You know, that's, that's not really going to move the needle forward for me. Or even investments outside of the film industry and real estate and, you know, other other ways to diversify yourself, you know, it doesn't just have to be on gear. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, Ryan, we spoke to you on season one, like way back. Right. And one of the things I love about you, Ryan, is, you know, sales and, and, and you know, that (laughs) process really well. And I think that comes with your experience from working at an agency, um, since, so when we spoke to you, you were part-time now you've gone full-time. Can you talk to us a little bit about, um, going full-time when you thought it was the right move and also maybe, um, what your experience at your last position gave you into kind of going full-time with uh, your company now. Right. Right. Yeah. Great question. So really excited to be back. What is the season three for you season guys? Three, let's you know, go. Like this, it's been a lot of time between the last yeah. uh, two years for sure, but no, it's been, it's been a ride. Um, I would say I was, I was full-time working for a video production company doing marketing strategy um, at the corporate level, large scale stuff. I mean, we had red cameras and directors and 10 people crews, and it was really cool to have that experience on the other side of it. 
Um, but in 2021, my business just kind of blew up. I had, um, every night, weekend and PTO day I could possibly take. I was shooting, um, for myself and my business was just going crazy and really carved out a niche for myself in the health and fitness promotion space. So gyms, fitness brands, um, sports teams, those types of things, and kind of being known for that. Um, and then I landed a couple of really key monthly retainers, which I'm sure we'll talk about mm-hmm. that really catapulted me because I had some runway and I was like, okay, I've got people locked in for a 12 month agreement. And I know I'm going to make 20, 30, 40, 50 K from one of these deals. Um, I got some runway here. And even if I don't get any other side work, I'll be okay for at least six to 12 months. So yeah. for me, that was, that was the big thing. Just having that security. I'm such a risk averse guy. And I, have a lot of entrepreneurial spirit. I have a lot of other things that I'm working on with course businesses and other, other side businesses I have my hands in, but I'm just very risk averse. So it's uh, one of those things. Once I had some runway, I definitely felt a lot more confident doing that. Um, but no, I think to your point, JJ, um, having some sales background has really helped a lot. Cause I, I talked to a lot of creatives that just don't care. They would rather just show up and, you know, day rate and be done. And that's cool. Like I, I get that. Like I hear a lot of people that I talk to, but I kind of nerd out about the business stuff. It's like, how can I perfect my sales process to close 50% of the people that I pitch? How do I set up my pricing? So it's advantageous for me. How do I get, like I said, a bigger runway for myself so I can start hiring out um, 1099s and part-time people and build the the company that I want to in the next five years. And I'm sure we'll talk about goals as well to Kyle's point as well. So I'm, I'm excited to dig in. So. Awesome. You listed off a lot of great things that I want to get into. Let's, let's go straight into pricing, right? Because Pricing is a monster in itself, right? Like we've talked about pricing a lot, but it it, it differs for everyone. And it kind of seems like you almost have package or how do you think about pricing? Yeah. So number one thing, don't put price on your website. I will have that to the grave. Like a lot of people have different opinions on that. Don't do it because it's variable. It'll change. And then people will see that one number and they'll hold you to it forever. So I would say don't do that. Second thing that I try to do is avoid hourly as much as you can. And I try to avoid extreme detail in my proposals because people will nitpick the crap out of them. And, mm-hmm. you know, they'll, you'll say, oh, it's estimated 10 hours of editing and 20 hours of shooting and blah, blah. And they're like, well, can we do like half half the time of shooting? But they don't want to sacrifice any of the production quality. So you have to work more efficient and be more stressed out and make less money. So I really try to like avoid any detail in my proposals and lump sum it. And uh, a big strategy that I've been using is value-based pricing, which we talked about last time on season one, um, which just for people that didn't hear that episode, it's basically pricing a project out based on the value it's going to bring the client. So if we can say, okay, we think it's going to earn 300,000 in top line revenue, 50% profit margin. Okay. They they expect to make 150 K from what I'm going to provide their company. Mm-hmm. Why would I ever charge hourly for 50 bucks an hour and only make like a thousand dollars for that? You know? Yeah. So it's, it's trying to really just like meet the business where they're at and solve their problem. Mm-hmm. Um, but really the thing that really, like I said, has catapulted me forward is starting to offer more content retainer, um, pricing for people. So pricing, what I tend to do for that is I price out a full production. So let's say the project's going to be three shoot days, it's going to be about 20 K if I were to do it as like a project only. Mm -hmm. But the thing is these people need ongoing stuff. They need things for the YouTube channel. They need sales videos, interviews, whatever. They have a lot of volume they need. Then I'll price that out and say, okay guys, if this was going to be say 20 grand a month, um, and I know that's a lot, but we, what we can do is we, I can offer it for like 13 or 14. I will say for the sake of this example, 14,000 a month. Um, 
we can lock that in so you get that discounted savings, but we'll have to guarantee a six to 12 month agreement for that. Mm-hmm. So I'm basically like cutting 25% off the overall price to lock in that content retainer. And then I also get that ongoing revenue for me because that's super valuable to me. Yeah. Because like I said, if I can lock that six month retainer in with a fitness client that I love to shoot, even if it's a little bit lower than what I would normally take for a full project, it's like, I, I'm so happy because I'm doing what I like. I'm shooting the industry I like mm-hmm. and I can be very selective about the freelance projects I take. So when your cousin's sister's mom asks about shooting a goat's birthday party <laughs> for photo <laughs> and I'm like, I don't do that, but I need money. and I, I don't have to do that anymore. Right. I'm a, I can yeah. be a lot more selective and I can build my portfolio based on what I want. So that I think I've learned a lot from other industries because I read a lot of business and yeah. finance books, and I've tried to apply that from other industries like, seeing whether other people are doing in the banking industry or in the real estate it's industry. Software, it's very common to take 20% yeah. off an annual subscription, you know? Right. It, right. It's cash just, is king, man. If you got cash flow, I mean, it could be a $100,000 project, but if you don't get paid for two years for it, that sucks. You know, it's like you want the money sooner than later. So, yeah, know. no doubt. When you're thinking about your retainers, um, you know, you, you brought up 20, 14,000. What do you think would be the average, you know, uh, retainer agreement that you're looking at or like trying to get a sense of like, not the level, but like how much you're able to charge for retainers for, you know, you as a sole videographer, cause you're just pulling in yourself as a videographer for this, right? Sure. Correct. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So it really depends on the level of client for me, my, and I have an avatar that I built to have for myself. Like my ideal client is like a director of marketing for a fitness brand, like a mid tier fitness brand. They might have five or less people in their marketing team. They don't have any video in-house and they're typically spending on, you know, agencies. Maybe they're spending like a hundred to 200 K on an agency or something that doesn't get them results. Right. Mm-hmm. So I can come in as a competitive advantage for me. I'm smaller. I'm more nimble. I can flex up. If I need to hire a crew, I can stay my like small myself. If we mm-hmm. need to control costs and I focus on deliverables and that's really how I've, I build a lot of my content retainers out or like, okay, we'll do three interviews a month. And I can do all those in a half day or a full day. It doesn't really matter to them. Mm-hmm. And then I can, you know, slice those up, get three small videos from each interview, plus the full length videos and give them 12 assets every month mm-hmm. for a set cost. So mm-hmm. a lot of those retainers can range anywhere from like 2,500 a month, all the way up to like 15,000 a month. It just depends on what level of production they need, how much time it's going to take. Um, also just the B2B or B2C. It also depends there too. Yeah. Um, but a lot, of, I do a lot of questioning as well with my onboarding, like, Okay, like like we said, how much are you, how much can you expect to make from this? What's your typical sale? Um, if mm. it's a gym client, okay, it's a boutique gym, so they charge one hundred and fifty dollars a month. Um, how long do people typically stay? Oh, it's like a year or two years before they leave. Like your churn rate's low. Great. Now, if you get one client from this campaign, they're going to stay for two years, and you're going to make like five thousand top line from mm-hmm. this, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, again things creatives don't think about a lot. I nerd in that world. I'm in the gray area of like the business creative people. It's, it's kind of where I like to hang out. So me and all the nerds and the weirdos with weird teeth and fangs and stuff. <laughs> I, w- I wouldn't say it weird. I think that's where we should all be. We should all be in the weirdo world with weird teeth and fangs and stuff to your point, <laughs> because this we're running a business, right? Like this is business and we're learning how to charge more, you know, earn more money, have more sustainable mm-hmm. revenue. Like, Kyle and I, we've talked about this a lot. We've talked about uh, providing questions uh, for onboarding as, as well. Um, mm-hmm. Kyle, like when you're asking your questions, it's really about aligning on the creative, right? 
Yeah, um, I mean, I think for, for me, oh, go ahead. I'll let you finish. No, no, here. no. Sorry. Go for it. Um, yeah, I mean, I think for me, when I'm having a conversation with the client, I think in part to, to, to Ryan's, Ryan's point or Ryan's end, you know, I think it just depends on, on the project as well, you know? So for my end, you know, I, I do similar style in the commercial realm, but I also do a lot of music videos. And I think we talked about this on the last or maybe the second to last episode we just recorded, but you know, it, it, the music videos are kind of a different world. Like for instance, you can't necessarily say, Oh, you're going to make $40,000 off of this music video based on this and this and this, like you don't have as much information that you can kind of do things like that as with. Um, so yeah. for me, yeah, I mean, first and foremost, I think for me, it's making sure that me and the client align both in values and then with the creative, because if, if we don't, then it's just not going to be a good experience. And it doesn't matter how much money you're going to offer me it's not going to be worth my time. I know we're going to end up disliking each other at the end. You're going to have bad things to say about me in the industry. Probably the same thing with me about you. Like it just doesn't help anybody out, you know? Um, so, so that's kind of, for me again, kind of aligning there in the first and foremost, but, um, to be honest, you know, I I definitely, I'm a, I'm a little inspired here by Ryan. You know, I, I, Mm. I poke and prod, but you know, I, I do, I guess a little bit more of like an overarching look at the business and how they, like, when did they start? How successful mm-hmm. are they? Like, how much did they make yeah. over the past, like, like last year? How much did they gross, gross profit? Different things like that. But I, I've never personally, you know, like really looked at a, a gym and said, okay, so what do you charge per person? Right. What, how long do you retain them for? Okay, let's pretend we could get you at least 15 yeah. people from this video okay, so you guys would make this much money. It makes sense for us to charge you this. Like yeah, I've, I've never, you. I've never gone that to that depth um, with my thought process. So I, I tip my hat to you, sir. That's, that's okay. very, there we go. that's, Thank that's, that's yeah. badass. That's very badass. You know, I, uh, <laughs> yeah. I definitely don't go to I that think, extent. I think it really, you know, kind of puts, um, maybe even makes you feel more comfortable with your pricing, right? Because if you know that this video is going to earn them or could earn them $50,000, and you were afraid to ask him for five grand. It's like you wouldn't be afraid anymore if you're going to make fifty grand off this video. That's maybe I'll ask that's what I like about now. it is you get to yeah. put them well, like, on the spot. You kind of put them on the chopping block. Like, hey, let's look at let's look right. at the numbers here. Like, you're going to make this yeah. much, and you you only want to pay me this much. Like, come on, yeah. like let's mm-hmm. let's raise that up a little bit. Yeah. Well, I so. I think it really t- it tays to other things too. So. Like in October, I went because I, like I said, I'm trying to focus on these gym businesses and fitness brands. So I went and I spoke at a fitness conference. That was one of the biggest ones in the country and spoke on video marketing, which that's a major massive tip. If you're wanting to focus on a certain niche, go to that niche's conferences and be the voice of video and you will find clients. I had so many people send me emails like, hey, can you travel to Alaska? Hey, can you come to Hawaii? Can you come to New York State? Like we want to shoot with you, that type of thing. So um, the other piece of it, though, is like when I was there. After my session, I didn't get on my plane and go home. I found a group that were going to lunch and I said, Hey, are, did you guys enjoy the session? They said, yeah. And I said, well, what do you guys do? Are you guys, you know, in a gym location, whatever that avatar I just told you guys about all four of them were those exact people. They were directors of marketing for mid to large size companies. And I was like, Oh, these are great. I'm like, what questions do you guys have? Cause I'm like, you're my test subjects. I want to find out like, what is, what is your problems? What can I help you with? What are you struggling with? And they're like, Hey, do you want to go to lunch? I'm like, yeah, sure. So we like walked out of the conference across the street. We went to a Mexican joint. We were there for two hours and I like learned everything. Let them all, they were complaining about stuff like churn of their members and how they're running ads and how they do Facebook and radio. And I've learned all this stuff and I'm just soaking it in, soaking it in. So then I go back and now I can tailor all my messaging to to solve those. I can speak directly to those people in those conference calls when I'm doing pitches because it's like, 
hey, like, I know you're probably juggling, like, your omni-channel marketing strategy with six other different things. Like, we don't want you spending too much money on video. Here's the solution or whatever it is. So mm-hmm. I think just really knowing what your people, what your clients are looking for and their, their real problems and, like, really knowing that inside and out is really helpful. And for me, I, I have a bunch of closing strategies, which we can talk about, but I love doing price bracketing. That's been a really big thing for me is like, okay, um, I'll even ask, oh, you're shopping around for rates. What did the other guy say? Oh, they, there's a big production company. They're going to shoot on a red. They said it's going to take five days. They're going to hire 20 people. It's going to cost 50 grand. I'm like, okay, did they say the results you're going to get? No. Okay. Okay. Well, I could charge you 50 grand or I could charge and then whatever my price is, which is typically lower than $50,000 because I'm a solo shop guy. So mm-hmm. Then I can I can price bracket it a little bit. Start with the really high number. Here's what you could pay if you were with an agency or with another production company. But here's what I would charge. Mm-hmm. Um, or or again, here's what the project would cost if you paid project pricing. But if we lock in a retainer, we can do a six month agreement. And instead of paying fifteen grand for this project, we can do like three installments of four thousand or whatever. So mm-hmm. starting big, show them the huge number, make them kind of pee a little bit, and then be like, just kidding, it's not actually that much money. We're going to do it a little bit smaller. And then they feel a lot better about it. So mm-hmm. it's kind of the, the infomercial tactic where it's like, instead of a thousand dollars for this mattress, it's only six easy payments of thirty nine ninety nine. And if you order now, you'll get a free social media. You'll get post. a second one free. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, like we talk a lot about it. Niche. Niche is so important. Like this, you obviously have a clear niche, right? But you're going further than that. You have a clear target customer. You have an avatar of exactly who you want to target within your niche. And so that makes communicating to that one person so much easier because to your point, you know exactly what they're struggling with. And so you can put that into your messaging, right? And I think so much of us struggle in that sense of like, we might niche down in the auto industry, but then we're going for everything. And it's like, well, getting a niche isn't really helpful if you're still going after everything. You really need to know exactly who you're going after. Like go back to the industry jump story in the early on where I was kind of just, you know, chasing everything and and i was asking people their opinion but it wasn't the right people right like you need to ask the right people what they're struggling with the people in your niche that you're targeting that can afford your services and that need reoccurring video on demand right and really know uh, how to target them and so i guess my question back to you would be like how do you prospect those people like you have a very specific audience so that means like there's not a lot of them so how do you go out and find them and, and create these relationships outside of word of mouth which I assume you, you strive at, but you know, how might you go about prospecting those folks? Sure. Sure. Yeah. I, I would say the first place where you would go is if you've gotten success for a client, they typically have friends that are in the same industry that do the same jobs. So if you have crushed it for a gym, like a, a fitness brand, let's say like Gymshark, for example, I haven't worked with Gymshark just so you know, they're like a $25 billion company or whatever it is now. <laughs> That'd be pretty dope um, though. But yeah, they're really dope stuff. So like that would be a good if like, okay, if you'd crushed it with Indi- or with um with Gymshark, you'd say you'd ask that person you or your client, hey, do you have any other client or any other friends that you think that I could help you with? And yeah. that that alone, just asking that question will get you more work. Um just putting it out there. The other piece of it too is um I would say like finding where your industry hangs out and being there and being present and being again the thought leader. So for me, it's live events, like being there either have a booth at an expo or if you can do it, I try to hack it a little bit. I get become a paid speaker at the event. So they pay my travel. Plus I get a speaker fee. Plus I get access to hundreds of people in the conference that I can then tell who I do or who I am and what I do. That's like the ultimate thing. So if you're not afraid to get in front of people and talk, 
use that skill because a lot of people listening to this are probably introverted and scared to do it. And that's fine. The few people that are more extroverted like myself that want to get up in front of groups of people and talk about what you do. That's a great way to do it. Um, the other thing, like I said, to, to speak to you to the point I mentioned earlier, which is being where your audience is. A lot of my people are corporate marketers, so I am all over LinkedIn all yeah, the time. I was thinking about um, that. when I'm out in public, I always open my videos with my name's Ryan Snod. It rhymes with odd. I've had people stop me at the grocery store that I don't even know. They've seen my LinkedIn videos and they're like Ryan Snod, it rhymes with odd. And I'm like, <laughs> that, that's exactly why I do this. Like <laughs> top of mind, I'm the like my personal brand is my brand. So like that's the coolest thing ever is to see it in practice and like you yeah. see it happening out in the real world that I, I would say LinkedIn's huge. I want to say there's like 300 million people that use the platform. Last time I checked on a monthly basis and only 3 million people share on a weekly basis on the platform. Mm-hmm. So there's like hundreds of millions of people that are scrolling all day, every day. Cause that's the only social media they're allowed to use at work. And then no one's posting anything besides boring stuff from the corporate accounts. And then there can be you, the knight in shining armor that can mm-hmm. have awesome insight about video marketing or whatever uh, niche that you guys want to focus on and tailor your message that way. 100%. Um, knowing where your audience lives, knowing how to communicate to your audience, you know, and, and getting them on the phone, like what might be an outreach message that you send to folks? Like say you stumble upon someone's LinkedIn profile and it's like, this guy's perfect. What is like a message that you might send to them? Or how might you connect to them? Do you, do you slow game it? Do you follow them? Do you like their content? Do you comment? And then two weeks in, do you comment, like actually send them a post or do you just go straight for the turkey and just do it all in one? Sure, sure. Yeah. <laughs> so I would say if I'm doing marketing and like it's more farming than spearfishing and that's kind of how I tend to do it. And that's how you can grow the business over time. Um, if you're spearfishing, what I mean is like cold calling people directly that can get really like exhausting. And when yeah. you get a lot of no's, you want to give up that type of thing. Yeah. There is a strategy that I use for that, but it's only for my ideal prospects. Like my cream, the crop, like this is the, I want to work with this brand so bad. And typically what I'll do is I'll actually shoot a spec video of their product or their brand. I'll take the time specs. I'll take the time (laughs) and I'll send it. And then I'll do a video. Um, I'll do like, uh, what would you call it? A bullseye video. So I'll literally like sit down like this. I'll key light. I'll do everything. I'll sit down like, Hey JJ, my name's Ryan Snod. It rhymes with odd. I'm a video marketer from Des Moines, Iowa. Like I love your brand so much that I actually put together a spec video for you that I wanted to share with you feel free to use it on your social media. Like you don't even have to tag me or anything. I just wanted to show my appreciation for you guys. And if you have any work in the future, I'd love to talk about it. And I just give, and I don't say anything else. Like yeah. give it, be done. Even if you don't send the spec video, give them something and you'll get work from it. Um, in terms of a cold reach out, that's what I did for one of my clients, Shut Sports. They're a football helmet manufacturer mm-hmm. in Illinois. I literally called the company because I, so I shot a high school hype video, had a bunch of video of their product. So I was like, oh man, I could just send, I could like do a, a spec, but I'm like, I'm just going to see if I can send it to him. So I literally called the company, ring, 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 ring. Mm. Call, I'm like, hey, can I get, my name's Ryan. I'm with Snod Media Group. Can I call, can I talk to the marketing department? And like, yeah, what's this regarding? And I said, oh, I'm looking for, and I'd already researched him on LinkedIn, who I was looking for. It's like, oh, I'm looking for Kip. Um, I, I'm trying to send him some video footage. I just don't have his email ready. I don't, cause I didn't, I'm being honest. Yeah. I'm not lying. Yeah. And like, okay, we'll connect you. So they send me over directly. Like I'm on the phone with the director of marketing. <laughs> and instead of trying to sell him something, I said, Hey Kip, um, my name is Ryan Snod. I own a video production company. We shoot a ton of football stuff. Just got done with the fall. I have all the stuff sitting on my hard drives and I have a ton of video of your product. Would you like me to send it over to you? Or would you have any use for this? And it's not, I'm just like offering it to him. Bullseye. Bullseye. Yeah, <laughs> talk about getting turned on over here. My money. <laughs> 
I'm getting yes, turned on. Yes. So, so then, <laughs> what does he do? So we're talking. I get his email. So then I have a follow up. I can actually email him directly. It's what I wanted. My whole goal to call was just to get his email so I can follow up later. And then we're getting to talking, and he's like, "Yeah, what's your site? I got my computer open." So he pulls my portfolio up. He's like, "Oh, damn, this stuff looks really good. Like, do you ever do product promos?" And I said, "Yeah, like." what would you be looking for? So he's like, what if we just sent you a box of like gear and could you just make a spec ad of that, of our stuff specifically? I was like, yeah, sure. So he, they sent me like a $5,000 box of gear with like helmets, shoulder pads, everything. Long story short, I was supposed to shoot it with a, with a talent. It was negative 20 that week here in Iowa. So we couldn't go outside and shoot it. it yourself, I right? shot it. I shot it of myself. Yep. I put the gear on myself. <laughs> I set my tripods up. <laughs> I got the smoke. I got like water on the helmet, all this stuff. Long story short, I shot it in a day, sent it over, and they're like, "Oh my god, this was so good! If we well, imagine if we actually paid the guy, what he would produce for us." Yeah. And then I had more paid work come from that, and I have a great relationship with them now. Yeah. And it all just comes from you don't have to do a spec ad every time. You don't have yeah. to get on the phone if that's going to make your knees quake. I can tell. I mean, that's the one story I tell you. But I also called five other companies that didn't take my call, or that they yeah. the gatekeeper wouldn't let me talk to the marketing person. That's fine but just putting it out there and knowing what I want to do because I want to build my entire business around video marketing for fitness brands. And in my five year, 10 year plan is to build a team around it, build strategy and get to the point where maybe a fitness brand would want to buy my business from me. That's my big time goal with it. So knowing that I go super deep on this niche cause I love this niche. I'm a huge fitness nut. I love all this stuff. I love everything about it. And I can also shoot the crap with the people on the phone when I call them. Cause they're like, Oh, is your son playing football this season? Oh yeah. He's a kicker. He's trying to play for, such and such college. I'm like, Oh yeah, my buddy was a kicker for Iowa state. And now I'm having this conversation and building rapport yeah. and I'm having fun doing my job. So, yeah, I, I totally relate to that. And I, I think that's just a fantastic move in the sense of like, uh, I told the story before, but like I belong to a local gym in California and I just love the gym so much. Right. And so I went up to him. I was like, guys, I, I just want to shoot you a video. You don't have any videos yet. Let me just spec something out and, and get you something. Right. And then I did, and it was just fantastic. And it opened up so many more doors. And it's like, didn't take me long. It's a company that I want to work with and I can go out of my way to, to make it happen. And who knows what comes from it. But if you don't do it, nothing might ever come from it. Right. And so like, you really got to go out there and just start knocking on doors and be really proactive and, and very um, specific with who you're going after to make sure that those are the people you want to work with and you're building your portfolio with that in mind. Absolutely. And I think to that point too, it doesn't have to be the mega fitness brand like shut was a huge win for me. Like they've got hundreds of employees. They're like a multi like tens of millions of dollars a year in sales, like them and Rydell go head to head and they're like super intense with it. But it can also be the small, like you said, the small time gym. Um, some of my best clients are like a chiropractor shop with like one or two docs that just need a ton of content every month. And it's a one or two shoot and they'll pay a couple grand a month and it's consistent work. And it's the industry that I love to work in. So yeah, it doesn't have to be the mega mega people, but Find the find the types of clients that you're excited to shoot and that you are like, you'll stay up till three in the morning editing them because you just love this stuff. That's that's what it's all about, in my opinion, is like finding the right clients for you, not necessarily the ones that you can brag to your buddies about. Like, look how much money I made for this tech company. I don't give a crap about, you know, and maybe you do like tech companies, but just trying to find like your niche and trying to really enjoy whatever it is, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and also kind of with prospecting and, and getting new clients in mind, Ryan, I'm curious, like, how much, you know, if you had to lay out like some percentages for us, like how much of your your clients and time is invested in like networking slash word of mouth coming in? 
how much of it is maybe like running ads? Do you run Facebook and, and Instagram ads or ads on YouTube? Um, how much is it? Is it, you know, you making kind of doing this farming method of, you know, slowly building rapport and relationships through LinkedIn or just through getting connected via a phone call or something like give us a little little breakdown there if you can. All right, I wanted to stop you guys really quick and talk about our special sponsor today, ShareGrid. They are the largest camera and sharing community out there. You can rent and buy professional cinema gear. Now, not only that, but they're the perfect place to check out if you want to potentially sell gear or rent your own gear. And you can do it professionally and safe. They've got their own uh, insurance back policy, um, so you know that everything is safe and secure. On top of this, guys, Um, It's just a really great professional way to test out new gear that you might be interested in using in the future. So if you're interested in exploring maybe using a RED or an Ursa or anything with like a 6K or an 8K camera, this is the platform to go. They've got everything you want to take your game to the next level. Join the camera sharing community today. Rent and buy professional videography gear in your community. Yeah, sure. So and now that I'm full time, I've been trying to chunk my days in... Like, okay, Monday is admin and sales day. I don't work on any edits. I'm not shooting videos those days. I'm spending all that time, like, looking at my books, figuring out how much, what my pipeline's like, looking at my whiteboard. I've got, like, all my, like, prospects up here, like, people that are in between or not, or if you have a CRM, looking at that. But I would say, like, yes, Jump LinkedIn's studios. the main... Jump <laughs> <Right>? yeah. <laughs> yeah. Plug, James plug. <laughs> um, but trying to, trying to just get, like, your head around, okay... Who do I need to reach out to and that type of thing? So for me, a big strategy I did when I just went full time here a month ago was that was big news on LinkedIn. Whenever you update your job and people, a lot of people thought I was already full time because I was so about my business all the time, sharing stuff. So I've had a list of 200 people that I made just of like connections I had on LinkedIn or people, clients that I'd like to work with or past clients or whatever. And I just went through, I made a Calendly and I just said, Hey, I had like a templated message, but I customize a little bit of it. Say, hey, it's been a long time since I've talked to you about XYZ project. Um, would love to reconnect in the new year. If you hadn't seen already, I'm actually going full time. My business would love to talk about your marketing strategy for the new year. If that sounds interesting, like grab a time on my calendar. So I sent that to like 200 people and I'm pretty sure I had about 170 of them take me up on it. Wow. So wow. Holy you smokes. Should have seen, you should have seen my freaking Google calendar, guys. You're a likable guy. <laughs> like, yeah. boom, 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 Dang. boom. Like, my wife was like, how many meetings do you have today? I'm like, don't talk to me until like 7 o'clock tonight. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be talking today. So, and it, it, a lot of those didn't turn into potential projects, but a lot of them, yeah. they'll ask me at the end. They're, they're, and people are so good about this. And that's why I love working and connecting with people is like, hey, Ryan, I love what you're doing. Um, what can I do for you? Like, what, what do you want from me? And instead of just saying, Oh, you know, just stay in touch. I'm like, I'm looking for fitness brands, gyms, and sports teams that have a need for ongoing content. If you know anybody in that space, connect me. And almost always they're like, Oh, I know the director of marketing and so-and-so, or my dad plays golf with the guy that does the blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, can you get me their info? And like, yeah. So they'll just send me a referral or they'll connect me on LinkedIn or send me their email and say, Hey, Ryan's a good guy. Like he actually ha- runs a video business that specializes in health and fitness. Like yeah. I thought you'd be a good person to connect. And like that referral helps so much to facilitate that. Right. Um, so in terms of strategy, that was what I did. I just hit it super hard the last couple of weeks. And now I've got probably at least 30 projects that I bid out or am pitching or doing like pitch decks and trying to get conversations going with people on That's different nuts. projects. So. And you know, like it all starts with, you knowing exactly what you want. 
Like I yep. need fitness companies that need this, right? Like if you would ask the average videographer, they'd say, I need people that make videos. And it'd be really hard for people to think about that. It's like, cause you're, it's like, well, everyone needs videos. And it's like, I don't, you know, like, but if it's like, Hey, I need a, a fitness company that's this size. It's like, well, I know exact two that, that can come to mind. Let me connect you. You know what I mean? Like just knowing what you want to do, your niche, the type of videos you want to create, their, their customer, the client that you're going after is half the battle. It really is. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And I'm, I'm also, I'm not, I'm not trying to paint the picture that they're all fitness clients. Like there are some that'll come up that it's like a corporate thing or a day rate thing. Like I'll take some of those, especially as I'm, as I'm going out here just to keep some cash coming in. But mm-hmm. I think those things, I also, if it's a good fit for me, I'll do it. But I also do what's called the interest triangle is like kind of my visualization for it. I talk about it on my courses and stuff like that, but it's like the, the relationships, the pay and the passion. So when you're first starting out, if it hits one of those things, do it. Like if it pays really well, but it's a terrible industry, you have no interest, do it. If it um, is something you're passionate about, doesn't pay, but it would be a good relationship builder, do it, that type of thing. As as I get further along in my business, I'm trying to make sure that it hits all three of those points for me to take the job. It's got to pay well. It's got to be something I'm really passionate about. And it's got to be something that's going to build relationships that'll get me more of that work. Um, right now, like I said, I'm in this building period and there will be a lull, or at least or I assume there will be a lull at some point um, during my off season. So trying to, if it hits two of those points, take it, that type of thing. That's kind of been my strategy going forward. So there's been some jobs that don't pay super well, but it's like one of them's for like a nonprofit in the fitness industry. Maybe it doesn't pay the best, but I'm super interested. There's the passion there. And then also all the people on the board, all are marketing people for the brands that I want to work with. So that's my gateway to get in front of those people. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, No, that's great, man. That's great. Um, yeah, I think, you know, the more, especially people first starting out, you know, especially our listeners here, the more you can kind of get those opportunities. I think the better, the more doors are going to open for you down the road. Um, I keep referencing older episodes, things we've talked about, but I mean, it's just true. Like we, we talked about, um, you know, like for instance, myself, like a big thing that really helped me get my career going at first was, um, one, I had a great retainer client, but then also I was doing a lot of weddings. Um, mm-hmm. and so weddings, what I love about weddings for me was like, it was an it's a one day commitment essentially where I'm, I'm shooting this wedding. Obviously I have to edit it. Um, but it wasn't a huge time commitment where like a music video or a commercial, you know, there's a lot of pre-production work that goes into that. A lot of conversations, phone calls, meetings, mood boards created, etc. Um, weddings. I didn't have to do that as much as this, this uh, retainer client. I had to do that as much. So it, it allowed me to make a lot of money to then invest in myself in my business Um so then I could a lot faster really just focus on my niche, you know, and what I'm passionate about. So kind of, I think yeah. similar to, to what you've kind of been alluding to in a way, you know, I, I think I would highly encourage people, you know, in their first couple of years, especially, you know, if you haven't been full time um, for, I don't know, six months to a year, you know, I would highly encourage to kind of, as you mentioned, Ryan, follow this kind of triangle scheme. You know, if it hits one of the points, uh, I would kind of second what you said. And, and you know, I would, I would definitely take that opportunity. Um so it can it can help you again, kind of create more doors or open open the opportunities for you, kind of down the line. Absolutely, no, and I think for me it really helped because I'm I'm a big goals guy. I always have goals. Like this year, I've got a revenue goal for the year. I've got a new new course member goal that I want to impl- impact those people's lives. Uh, YouTube subs, like a bunch of different stuff. Books I want to read, all that type of thing. But um, for me, it really helped. Like, okay, if I can get one or two clients and stack those and lock those in. That's like that. Like we said, that pays your bills that can, if you have a terrible month, you've got that semi guaranteed income as long as you do a good job and they don't can you for whatever reason. 
Um, that really helps a lot. And I actually talked to a buddy of mine. I had lunch with him the other day and he actually works full time for another company. He's a full, he makes like 50 K a year plus benefits, works from home, does all the marketing and assets and photo and video for this brand. And he can do all the work in like 15 hours a week. Oh my god! So dang! So nice he's gig. locked that in, <laughs> and he's got that going for him. But he also runs his own business full time, even though he's technically a W two employee for this yeah. other company. That yeah. sounds real nice. And it's like health insurance. When you can game it like that, man, it's like <laughs> yeah. exactly, dang. exactly. Like he could he could just piss off for a year and he'd be fine, or he could just do the do the job for fifteen hours a week and be done with it, you know. And I think just being really efficient about your time is really helpful to know what you're trying to do and what you're trying to accomplish. And then to, to Kyle's point, you know, if you got things that are maybe they, they pay decent or a lower amount, but it's less time investment as we start to grow our wealth and understand like time is money. Time oh, is yeah. the like, ultimate currency. Just, if you can, if you can get all your work done in half the time, now you've got all this free time. And like for me now, I own my own business full time. Like I felt like having lunch and I was watching a movie during lunch. I'm like, I'm going to take an hour and finish this movie before I go up and hammer out these edits. You know, like you have the freedom to choose that. but I mean, you also trade the nine to five to work twenty four seven. In my opinion, so yeah. <laughs> that's kind of the, the <laughs> curse of the of the system here. <laughs> I'm curious, Ryan. Yeah. Are you are you debating uh, getting like uh, an editor or anything like that anytime soon? Since you know yeah. you're, you're really you passionate and focused up? on on social and and sales and and you know it sounds like you really love working with the clients, talking with the clients. Mm-hmm. You know wh- whether that's the business side or the creative side. Like it seems like that's really where your passion area is. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm just curious, like, where do you, where do you see down the road for you kind of starting to hire out or contract out to maybe free up more time for you to kind of further invest in these areas where, you know, you can get more sales, you can get that, that next 40 K client, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Great question. So for me, my goal is to hire um, an employee every year in the next five years. My first hire is going to be a shooter editor. Second one's probably going to be a remote editor and or shooter editor. So I'd have two guys that can go and shoot and edit for me. And then that frees me up to do all the client meetings, the proposals, like remote producing, scripting the ads, whatever. I have a bunch of guys that I work with that are 1099s that do that for me now. It's just, Mm -hmm. I don't have the volume to support them to be full-time people yet. Yeah. I hear you. And (laughs) 1099s are, yeah, yeah. And most of these guys have their own LLCs, so it's, it's okay to do it that way. And then Mm -hmm. I don't have to pay benefits or anything like that. But, Mm -hmm. um, so those are my first two hires. My third hire would be a producer and somebody that would be a project manager. So after the sale has been made and they come into the system, this person would script the videos, they would storyboard, they would interface with the client, mm-hmm. they would be on set to make sure the client's happy, and they would do all the client-facing stuff. That would be the third hire. And then the final hire would be what kind of my superpower is, if you guys couldn't tell, uh, sales and client acquisition. That's kind of what I nerd out about and love. So that would be the fourth hire, would be to hire somebody that would replace my sales efforts and... I could train them to do what I do and do it better than I do. And mm-hmm. that person would probably be like a hundred percent commission. And I just give them like a hefty chunk of whatever the project is to super incentivize them to go. Cause I've worked in the industry long enough to know, like with the agency side that if you salary a salesperson, they're very compliant or complacent and they don't work as hard as they could. If you put the fire into their backside and give them the reason to go and fight for the jobs, cause then they're going to get paid out. You know, they can make, 10 to 20 K a month if they're really bringing in some work for me. So that's kind of like the four main roles that I see is like shooting and editing, producing and sales. Those are, that's, that's my business in a box essentially. Um, Dude's got so a yeah. five year plan. He's already dude, mapped I got out all of his five employees. 
You know, and, and then I'm going to sell it to Nike. and I'm going to go live on an island in the Bahamas somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you're talking about you know positioning your company so you can get an acquisition, so you can sell it, right? Um, which is also that next level thinking of like, hey, you know, like, uh, are we going to do this until we're sixty to seventy? Like, if I'm going to spend thirty years, twenty years building it, like, what can I get out of it at the end? Like, what is this asset, right? And like, I think that's the mindset that we all need to have in the sense of like. Yes, we are making a certain amount of money each year and we're, we have revenue goals, we have team goals, but also what's the end goal? You know, like where do I want to get to the end? What kind of company would buy me? And what kind of company would, um, and, and for that company, what kind of portfolio are they looking for? What kind of value are they looking for? And start stacking that year one, year two, year three. So year 10 comes around, you're right for an acquisition. It makes sense. And then you could put 10 years of hard work and money that you made to even, you know, even more money. Sure. Sure. And I think, and just from talking to these marketing people in the fitness space, it's not out of the realm of possibility for me to sell it to some of these people, because a lot of these marketing departments don't do what I do. They don't have the strategy behind what they do or the processes or the batch shooting approach to it. They'll pay for massive production one time a year. They got one video that's 30 seconds long and that's like, that's all they got. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think there is validity in, in my big ideas of what I want to do with the brand. I think and really for me, it's not even to like retire and go sail off in the sunset because I'm way too much of a workaholic for that. But it's like, I want to do other things. Like I want to launch a whiskey brand. I want to write a book. I want to become a, a paid professional speaker and do that more. I want to mm-hmm. help other entrepreneurs launch their businesses and consult and do all that type of stuff. Like I, I'm pretty diversified now. I have like 15 streams of income. So it's <laughs> like trying to, trying to um, get more focused on some of those and like, be more intentional with what I'm trying to do. Right. And not just be like everywhere at once. Cause as you can tell, yeah. kind of like all over the place all at the same time. So yeah, that um, was one of my new year's goals is to like be more intentional and be like more in the moment and not so spread thin everywhere because I feel that exact thing. Like, um, you know, it's it, one, it's amazing. You have 15 different income streams, but if maybe if you focus, you ditch five of those and focus five X more time on one higher potential that could mm-hmm. even make more kind of thing, you know? So it's like, it's it's always like, where are you spending your time? Where's the most valuable time spent? And that's why going back to the operator thing, if, if you're just shooting and editing all day and you're not thinking about the big picture, the visionary, the sales stuff, like you're losing out on a lot of money each day because of that. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. I totally agree. <laughs> where do we go next? Sorry, we're, hit, we're hitting just like dingers today. It's like <laughs> thought bomb after thought bomb. We're I, just you know, I kind of, to, to piggyback off of this all a little bit, uh, and I think we can maybe transition this into to talking about digital products and TikTok and platforms and, and stuff. Then, but, and then we got to get out of here because yeah. <laughs> it's, I don't want to leave though. <laughs> but, I need a part two. You know, we uh, might need a part two. Um, <laughs> absolutely, man, for sure. Uh, I'm curious, you know, You've you've already got this in your mind of getting acquired, right? You're getting your business acquired. So I'm curious to learn a bit more of like what is what is your approach when it comes to to building this this business and brand, um, but also building your personal brand. Like, are you are you having those mm-hmm. tied in together? Are you trying to kind of in a way Great have question. those be separate, right? Because at some point, if you're trying to get acquired, are you selling them this business and brand? Or are you selling them Ryan Snot? You. Yeah. Right. Like, like right. Who, what are you really selling them there? So I'm, I'm curious if you could kind of talk about that and how it pertains to your thought process and moving forward with how you operate your business. Absolutely. Great question. So kind of how I, I'm going to delineate it is when my, when it comes to my business, it's the processes, it's the 
marketing strategy. It's it's things from my brain that get sucked into a ball and a product, and that's what people would be purchasing. Because when I train my my team in the future, um, they're gonna I'm gonna teach them all those specific things that I I know to be true or that I do. I just don't. I don't have it product processized yet, I guess, if that makes sense. But I've actually been making a conscious effort to do that and put those roles in place so I would know exactly what's going to happen there. But I think in terms of like when people hire my company, yes, it's me doing it. But it's also like when I open up the Canva deck and I can show them examples of all the past work that I've done in the fitness industry and why I'm a no brainer decision to choose. And I always keep saying like me and my team, like my team and I, because I do use 1099s and I have other people that I use and leverage people are getting that service, you know? Right. So I think to your point, Kyle, I, my business right now is called Snod Media Group. Obviously that has my last name tied to it. So I, I've also considered like doing a DBA or setting up a doing business as to yeah. have a brand for it specifically for the fitness side. Yeah. But before I jumped off the cliff and did that, I wanted to make sure I had a really solid um, niche, a really solid portfolio. And then it made a lot of sense for me to do that. So the other piece of it too, is like for me, for my own personal brand, I put out a lot of content just as Ryan Snod because my face and my persona is my business right now. But it's also like, there's so many things that have come from me having my own personal brand, like becoming a course instructor and selling my knowledge to people and becoming a speaker and going and being paid to come and fly out to speak at conferences and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, and just being kind of a thought leader in that space. So I definitely split the two. I have separate Instagram accounts and websites for Ryan Snod versus Snod Media Group. Mm-hmm. Snod Media Group is mainly like finished portfolio work, like final stuff, client facing stuff. And then the Ryan Snod brand is a little mixture of everything. So there's some professional photos, some cell phone videos, some yeah. speaking videos. Yeah. Uh, I just kind of mix it up and I, I try to take more of a Gary Vee approach to it where it's like, I don't care what my grid looks like on Instagram on my personal page. It's like, just pump value at people and just give people as much value as I possibly yeah. can. It's it's a hard and interesting situation because so many of our videography businesses are ourselves, right? And so right. it's like, well, how do we position our company so they can be a, an asset to others, right? Um, and I do think that the last name in the in the the name is a, a strike against it, right? But to I, your point, there are a lot of things that go with that uh, that could be beneficial. I think one thing that is hard is normally is like the relationship book, the client book, right? Like you have this list of clients that you've been servicing forever. Like what happens to them if you're not there anymore? You know what I mean? And like, if you're doing really small mom and pop things, like one-off videos, those will probably all go away. But if you're servicing a corporation and you have a year long agreement with them and you can just transfer that over and you already have a team in place for that, I think that's still groovy. You know, like that's, that's all good. You know what I mean? So thinking about your clientele and who they are and and starting to get that bigger clientele, those corporations that can give you contracts year long terms, because also a part of an equitable, uh, uh, a nice asset to buy is like, you can go to an acquisition partner and say, Hey, I have uh, billables for the next 12 months that are 500 grand, you know, Mm -hmm. like, what are you going to pay me for that? Like compared Absolutely. to, I have a phone book of 13 numbers. And I normally get a hundred thousand dollars a year, but I got nothing planned for the future. They just call me up. Like that's no good. You know what I mean? Exactly. So really positioning your clientele, your sales approach, your, um, all of that around a reoccurring, a value-based proposition that you can stack for six to 12 months. Not only is that good sustainability for you and, and growing a company and hiring team members, but when you want to exit eventually, um, you know, those contracts are in place and the the price becomes much more clear of what you could charge. 
Absolutely. Yeah, and I think, and I, I, I definitely read a lot about this because um, I was trying to decide, should I change the business name? Should I not? For me, I'm going to keep it the same now because I was reading and it's like some of the biggest brands in the world were named after their founders and are still named after Disney. their founders. Like like Disney, Ford, like all these, you know, Snod's a little goofy of a one. I don't know if that one's going to stick too much, but it's <laughs> like some of these some of these ones, I mean, obviously they're household names, but I think people think so much about that that I think they miss the point, which is that I'm like I said, I'm trying to build a fitness marketing business that could be acquired in the future. Yeah. That's really what it comes down to. And I've talked to so many founders that even with my previous employer, like the owners are about to retire. There's really not a clear vision for what the future holds. I want to have that super clear. So when I hire people on, they can all get behind, they rally behind me. It's like, we're building, we're building like a, a deployable marketing department for any fitness brand in the country. And we're going to get to the point where we're going to get acquired by Nike. And all of you guys are going to go get to work in Oregon and go down the slides at work and mm-hmm. ride the bikes mm-hmm. and do it. Like if you want to do that stuff, like we're going to get there and like we can right. do it as a group. So. Right. And at that point too, you can pitch the Nike and be like, Hey, listen, I have these directors in house. They all made these award-winning spots that brought in this. You're also buying them when you're buying me. Right. And so right. that's value too. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, I know we're kind of talking about some spacey stuff. So I want to tie back to the audience. I would say like, the biggest tip I could give you guys or biggest challenge I would give you right now is if you're thinking about pitching a client or you're in a proposal process right now, you're putting together a bid, figure out a way you can work out some kind of retainer agreement. Because if if you can get one, it's so much easier to sell the second and so much easier to sell the third and the fourth and the fifth. If you get five retainers that are locked in for five grand a month, you got 25K a month cash flow coming in. And if you don't want to get any more clients that month, you don't have to. Or if you want to hire it out and keep, keep half the money and hire it out to your buddies, you can do that too. If you want to piss off for a month and go to Hawaii, you can do that too. It's like yeah. you have so much flexibility. So I would encourage anybody listening to this. If you've never done a retainer, it sounds scary. Try it. Rewind back to what we just started about. Like take your project base, whatever that project would be worth. Take 25% off the top, put it on a monthly cost and stretch it out over six to 12 months. Even if it's only a grand a month or two grand a month. That practice is how you can scale your business and how you can do it profitably and how you can grow rather than just being feeling like you have to be the one behind the camera in the editing chair, whatever it is. That would be my biggest tip for people. Yeah. And and to like you said earlier, Ryan, too, I think, you know, just pitching them simply on the idea that like, again, educating the client, you know, you as as the videographer educating them saying, hey, look, I know you you guys need this commercial video, but like, what if we could do a production and we could set it up to where we get you guys 20 commercial videos that you can use on social media for the next three, four months. Like how, how much would that benefit your business? Like, obviously, you know, they're going to, they're going to bite at something like that. So I think, um, you know, if, uh, as you mentioned, you know, if, if you can figure out a way to kind of pitch it or to, to build them out to a retainer relationship to get, um, ongoing content, you know, I think that's going to benefit you exponentially and, and them, of course, you know, I mean, again, I talked about on previous episodes, I've been doing a, I did a three day commercial shoot, in LA back in October and I'm still editing all the assets from this. Um, they just hired me out actually to shoot uh, like a half day here in Orlando to add to the, to the set of assets. So from really f- three and a half days of production, I've been able to sustain over four months of work um, with mm-hmm. a single client. I mean, obviously I'm doing other work and other clients as well, but I mean, just mm-hmm. to, to your end. Um, so, so again, just seconding, 
everything Ryan said really for you, for everyone listening in here, you know, <laughs> definitely find a way if you can get a retainer relationship or if not re- retainer, again, just educate the client, try to find a way that you can pitch them to bite on more than just a single video. Because again, if you can give them more content that they can work with, they're more likely mm-hmm. to see success and get better results. And if they get good results, they're going to come back to you. Um, so, you know, make sure that, you know, you can kind of give them the good opportunities to, to kind of go in there. But I guess to transition that, if, if everyone's good with it, I would love to talk, you know, how this relates to Ryan, like your brand strategy on, on social media and, and maybe more specifically, you know, as we kind of talked about before we got, got the episode rolling, um, you know, breaking into TikTok and, and utilizing that space there to kind of get access to more individuals and, and build your brand. Absolutely. No, I would say. I am my my February um, dedication is to hit vertical video harder than I've ever hit it. So not even TikTok. I'm talking all vertical video. That goes for TikTok, Instagram Reels, um, YouTube Shorts, YouTube Stories, yeah. or yet yeah, YouTube Shorts. Sorry, and then also Pinterest. I've been like any any platform I can get my vertical mug on. I'm trying it and just testing it out. Mm-hmm. Um, I think anybody that's here that's like scared of trying a new platform because there's stereotypes like TikTok's a kids app. There's people only lip syncing, dancing. You're just making excuses because there is an audience out there. Granted, TikTok might not be the right platform for you. LinkedIn might be or whatever, but being present on everything you can is important. And if you're already cutting vertical video, you might as well cross post it on six other platforms because you already took the time to edit the dang thing. So for me, like I was just telling you guys today, I did a content day. So from like nine until noon today, I shot like 20 TikToks. I had a bunch of stuff scripted out. I tried um, things on professional DSL, D- DSLR. I shot stuff in 4K, 1080p. I shot things on my phone. Um, I did funny masking things because I have a bunch of characters that I have like Hillbilly Pete and all these other goofy things that I can just <laughs> goofball at heart. So it's like, I'll use some of those characters in here. I do like funny things with that just to kind of add some, some uh, flavor to it. And I shot a bunch of different stuff. I'm going to drip it out like one or two a day. And just see what happens the entire month of February. Just see what happens. Yeah. Um, extra, extra text on screen, sound effects, graphics. Is it just talking head? Is it two camera? Is it organic? Whatever it is, post it everywhere. Not just TikTok, but Instagram Reels. Like my followers are going to hate me this entire month of February because I'm just going to be posting as like different things. Hmm. Um, change shirts, change hats, put a different sweater on, change the lighting up so it looks like it's a different day, and just knock it all out and just see what happens. That's kind of been my approach to it. And for me, since I sell digital products, I have two online courses I sell. I have an asset bundle. Um, I have a Facebook group that I monetize. So like, I have things I can offer people that aren't just done for you services with video production. So that's what I'm trying to sell or promote with my stuff there as well. Yeah, I was going to say like with your social media stuff, that's more about you know targeting that audience rather than your fitness audience, right? And and Correct. and bringing in alternate revenue streams from that. Yeah, and so. Um, you know, whatever your niche is, whatever your target is, or even if it's your personal brand, be very specific with that and, and, and make that content to talk to them, right? And in this sense, you have multiple customers and you're making multiple different types of content. Um, and I think the thing is, is just be consistent, right? Like post every day, unfortunately. But if you are going to post every day, spread it out to as many platforms as possible, right? Like Learn Videography just got started on TikTok. Brand new to the game over there. I think we got five followers, right? But hey, I'll go follow you guys after this episode. There we go. I'll give you number Get six. Get at us, here. y'all. There Help us go. out. Come on. <laughs> but hey, plug it in the in the show notes. Put it in the show notes. At learn videography, it. TikTok. Let's go. <laughs> but the thing is, you know, like some of our posts have gotten 500 views with five followers, and it's like, hey, that's that's 500 people that maybe know of the show now. You know, like doesn't hurt. You know, so mm-hmm. um, 
get on every platform, you know, understand the platform, see how you can leverage these platforms for your clients, you know, and then that could bring you a lot of success as well. Absolutely. And I would, I would encourage anybody too. it's not just post for the sake of posting. Like I'm posting things about video marketing, social media, and business. Those are the three things I try to focus on. If you're just posting day in the life videos or, you know, product reviews, like, yes, if that's what your thing is about, but don't, I would, I would encourage you not to just like post random things that don't apply to whatever. Um, and then don't be afraid to also show your personality. I think that's the big thing. Like everybody knows Peter McKinnon. Obviously there's a million other YouTubers that talk about video and photo, but he's obviously the king because people love his personality. People know he likes Ford trucks and he drinks coffee and he wears skinny jeans and that's his deal. And he's just him, right? If you're going to be sharing things as your personal or your personal brand, feel free to just like be yourself, right? Yeah. Now that I own my business full time and it's just me, I don't give a crap what people think. Like I'm goofy as shit. If you talk to me on the phone or get on a video call with me, I'm probably going to be like cracking jokes or making weird voices or doing impressions hmm. like I always do. Hmm. So that's who I'm going to be on the internet because that's who I am in real life. And yeah. I, I, that's the only person you should try to be, right? So, yeah, yeah I think... Be you. <laughs> I got a I got a quick quick pointer I want to throw in there too. I actually just uh, discovered this through TikTok today. Actually, um, so if you're if uh, you're looking to kind of get a better idea of things you can talk about, talking points for a TikTok video, um, there's a great website called AnswerThePublic.com. Mm, you can type type in uh, you can just type in a keyword like filmmaking or videography or cameras or lenses. And it'll literally um, essentially process and give you like the top questions on the internet pertaining to that keyword. And that people um, are asking. That people are asking. Mm -hmm. And so you can literally make content specifically answering those questions for TikTok, for YouTube, Instagram reels, what have you. Um, So that's that's something I'm going to start using now that I discovered it here today. Boom. Hey, guys, we got to wrap up. We've gone way (laughs) over time here. We could probably sit here all night and do it. Right. But Ryan, thank you for coming out today, dropping some serious knowledge, value-based pricing. I think everyone's got to be doing it, right? Like it just makes total sense. Um, y'all can follow Ryan on uh, Instagram and everywhere else. It's Ryan underscore his last name Snod. Ryan's with odd S N A A D T. Right. He also runs a Facebook group. Ryan, anything else you want to add in there? Quick plugs. Sure. Yeah. I was going to say, like I said, I've got two courses right now. I'll I'll share with you guys some affiliate links, give you guys some kickbacks as well and give you some discounts for your listeners. But uh, Solo Video Pro, which we talked about last time, it's the business videography course. There's about 100 lessons now in there. There's a lot of stuff on if you're wanting to make your passion for videography into a business. And then I also launched a specialty course in 2021 called Six Figure Fitness Filmmaker, which basically gives you the exact blueprint on how I grew my business to six figures and left my job and how you can get into fitness videography and how I prospect, find people in the fitness niche, do banger fitness idiots, all that type of stuff. So I'll give I'll give the guys some links so we can share you guys way. Awesome. Cool. So yeah. if you're interested in either of those things, happy to happy to share that with you. Awesome. Other than that, folks, thanks for tuning in to uh, another episode of Learn Videography. We have Kyle over there, Kyle Visuals, myself at Chia. JJ Angler, us on all the platforms. Of course, you got to go to TikTok, at Learn Videography. Go to Jump Studios if you're looking for the best CRM suite for content creators. Otherwise, Let's we'll catch go. you next week with another freshie right off the boat. We are just bringing knowledge for you. So thanks for tuning in. Appreciate y'all. Catch you soon. Yeah. Thanks, See y'all yeah. on the next one.